welcome to another episode of the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Can't tell you how much I appreciate you giving the show a listen and a download today. And I got to tell you, today's episode, it's going to be downright mummy. But before we get to that, housekeeping, if you have not already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. That's where you can find us. And as you're there, as you're subscribing, if you would be so kind as to leave a five-star rating and a nice comment, we would be ever so grateful. Now then, some people like it, some people love it, but millions say they can't live without it. Yum, 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 We're talking about chocolate. Ask almost anyone if they would like some, and you're probably going to hear. Yes. <laughs> and it's not just because of chocolate's sweet taste. You know, many are quick to tout its supposedly incredible health benefits. Claims that chocolate can improve brain function, lower cholesterol, reduce heart disease, even aid in the recovery of concussions and lower the risk of dying. But just how accurate are these claims? That is what we're going to unwrap on this episode of The Exam Room. Dietitian Maggie Neola from the Barnard Medical Center is back to help us sort out these claims. And she's going to teach us just how dramatic the nutrition content of chocolate can change as it goes from raw cacao all the way to milk chocolate. Also, I was recently lucky enough to be able to chat with former actor and environmental advocate Susie Amos Cameron. She's got a new book out, and the concept of it is just incredible. The book's title is OMD, The Simple Plant-Based Program to Save Your Health, Save Your Waistline, and Save the Planet. Here's the best part, right? The OMD, it stands for One Meal a Day. And in her conversation and in the book, she outlines her philosophy that eating just one fewer meal that has meat and dairy in it every day, just one fewer meal, can dramatically reduce a person's carbon footprint and improve their health. And if you didn't know, Susie Cameron is married to director James Cameron. Now, when they first got together, she said that he wasn't vegan, and you gotta hear this story about the first time she opened James's pantry. Too daggone funny. So, we have ourselves a packed show today. So let's make like Willy Wonka, grab our golden tickets, and head right on down to that chocolate river. But before we jump in, let's find out the truth about those health benefits of chocolate. Hi, I'm the Candyman. Uh, actually, I'm Chuck Carroll, the weight loss champion. But uh, the Candyman, you can basically call me that today because we are talking about chocolate, the health benefits of chocolate. A lot of people tout, they say, well, you know, chocolate, how bad can it be for you? There are so many health things that come with it. But is that true? We're going to do a little bit of uh, uh, fact-checking, maybe maybe a little myth-busting today as we talk about the health benefits of chocolate. That may or may not have a question mark on the end of it. 
That kind of makes it sweet. It's a pretty sweet podcast, right? Anyway, the health benefits of chocolate. And I said to myself, self, who knows a thing or two about chocolate? I don't know. I don't walk around this office asking people about their chocolate knowledge. But I do know that one of the smartest people in this entire building is dietitian Maggie Neola from the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It was quite the introduction. <laughs> well, you are smart. I know this for a fact. And so, therefore, you are the perfect person to talk to chocolate, talk I'm... about chocolate with. You got it. Right. Glad to be here. Chocolate. You a fan of chocolate? I am. I really like chocolate. Who does good. Who does yeah. There's a couple people. It's very strange when you meet somebody who doesn't like chocolate. Seriously? Could <clears> you <throat> ever date somebody that does not like chocolate? <laughs> Yeah, that means I get all the chocolate and they just wouldn't partake. Oh, you're such a glass half full person. A lot of people would be like, no, that glass is half to three quarters. Of, no, that glass is empty. I want nothing to do with it. Swipe whichever way means I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate, man. My wife loves chocolate. I don't really consider myself a chocoholic, but I do uh, enjoy um, adding you know, cacao and, and such in, into smoothies. Give it a little bit of a chocolate flavor, but mm -hmm. I never have really craved candy that's good but let's talk about that because you know you're a nutritionist you're a dietitian you you've no doubt heard a lot of the claims about the health benefits of chocolate right mm -hmm. what are what are some of the things that you've heard uh yeah so there's different studies that'll come out and claims that say it'll lower your risk for heart disease or reduce your risk for cancer improve brain function make your skin glow <laughs> you name it there's pretty much anything to justify a strong interest in eating chocolate on a daily basis. Right, yeah. L lower risk of overall death. I found that one to be really <laughs> interesting. When I do research for this show, like I stumble across the most amazing just claims. I'm going to call them claims because I can't prove them one way or another. That's why I bring people like you on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, just one study that said if you eat chocolate, you're less likely to die. Now, I will tell you this. Chocolate or not, I always find the studies that say you're less likely to die if... That's not true. Everybody dies. There is a 100% certainty that if you're hearing this to right now, you're going to die someday. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So how can you be less likely to die? I don't know. What's a, what's a better way to say that? Yeah. I mean, I think it could be better stated, improve quality of life. Um for sure, there's pleasure when you eat something like chocolate because it has stimulants, caffeine, and of course, that combination of sugar and fat releases some form of opiates in your brain, which is a dopamine effect. Um, so it does improve your mood, yeah. but <clears throat> there's a lot of risk to including that uh, yeah. in large quantities and regularly. Yeah, those opiates in the brain, man, those are powerful. Mm -hmm. Those are powerful. Man, they will call to you in the night. God <laughs> knows they will call you. In the, like Taco Bell was my chocolate. Taco Bell called to me in the night. That was some serious <laughs> stuff. Um, abundantly found in dark chocolate and cacao uh, when I was pulling nutritional information were mm -hmm. actually quite a few nutrients. Uh, iron, it's pretty mm -hmm. high in iron. Copper, don't really talk a whole lot about the body's need for copper, but you got some in there. Magnesium, zinc, phosphorus, and flavanols. Mm -hmm. That's a fun word to say. Say that. Mm -hmm. Flavanols. Yeah, right? I say that without smiling. Flavanol, flavanol. What's the healthiest form of chocolate? I would imagine it's the unprocessed stuff, right? Well, the healthiest form is the very original form, which is going to be your cacao bean or seed. Mm -hmm. um, but then that gets essentially dried and roasted to form cocoa. So you can end up with either cocoa butter or cocoa powder at the end of that product. Okay, so if I'm <clears throat> if I'm getting 
you uh, correct here, if I'm understanding you correctly, it is cacao mm-hmm. until it's roasted and then it becomes cocoa. Mm-hmm. Dried and roasted. So usually fermented in the sun, roasted, you remove the hole from that bean or seed. You can take the, the fat portion of out of it called cocoa butter, mm-hmm. um, which is used to make white chocolate. Oh, and then you would be left with cocoa powder. There's still some small amounts of fat in it, but most of the fat is in the cocoa butter. White chocolate. Is that even chocolate? I, I know that a lot of people say, well, that's that's not even chocolate. It's chocolate by name only. <laughs> it's cocoa butter. So theoretically, it comes from the same really? part of it. But you also add a lot of sugar to it. So Is that like that's the sweetest of the sweet chocolates? Mm-hmm. Mm, it's a lot of sugar. Um, and then <laughs> – but so going back to that original form, cacao – bean or seed, you can also essentially dice that up into what's called cacao nibs, which you often see near chocolate chips in the grocery store. Right. Baking aisle, right? Mm -hmm. Baking aisle. They're way more bitter. Um, But those technically are going to be that higher nutrient dense option. Well, let's talk about that because I've I've gone ahead and uh, I hopped on the USDA database for nutrition and I pulled uh, the various nutritional uh, facts for all forms of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And what I found was, generally speaking, the more heavily processed the chocolate mm-hmm. becomes, the less nutritious it becomes. It seems to me like that's a pretty, I don't know, simple and uh, correlation there that just seems yeah. to make sense. Yeah, yeah. So the less cocoa powder that's in there and the more cocoa butter and m- milk and sugar or whatever else you're adding to it, the less healthful it is for you. Your colleague, Lee Crosby, mm-hmm. every time she comes on this show, she wants to talk <clears throat> about fiber. I don't know what, mm. what is her deal with fiber. We love fiber at we, the Physicians Committee. She, But I'm telling you, like, we all love fiber. She loves she fiber. Loves like, she fiber. is the fiber queen. Like, I'm pretty sure her license plate says fiber. <laughs> it should. Uh, <laughs> it but uh, surprisingly, uh, what I found with cacao powder, and, and you have the facts in front of you, mm-hmm. it has a ton of fiber in it, doesn't it? Yeah, so a serving of cacao powder, cocoa powder, two and a half teaspoons is going to have five grams of dietary fiber, which is a large amount. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to get 40 plus grams a day, that's a really good portion of that. You're an eighth of the way there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Nice math. Yeah, you see that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do the percentage, though. Uh, What about protein, though? You know, and and of course, let me let me just back that up. Everybody always asks, where do you get your protein? Mm -hmm. There's a surprising amount. Of protein and cacao. Four grams yeah. in uh, two and a half teaspoons. Right. So some. Now, I have had uh, weight loss surgery. I talk about that on the show from time to time. One of the things that's hard for my body to absorb is iron. And so mm-hmm. I'm always interested in some iron-rich foods. Turns out cacao, again, not a bad option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some iron. So two milligrams, just 10% of your RDA. Uh, just to clarify, it's not two and a half teaspoons, it's tablespoons, right. which if you really think about that, that's a large amount of cocoa powder to consume. Um, so realistically speaking, actually downing two and a half tablespoons of that could be a little challenging, depending on what you're putting it, it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whew, two and a half tablespoons of, even if you're doing a smoothie, like that's going to be a it's gonna dark be bitter. smoothie. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to add a lot of other stuff in there to yeah. mask that flavor. Yeah. Ooh. Or he's so just got just to really to love it. Zoom out and understand perspective. That is a good yeah. point. I didn't <clears throat> even realize that. That is a healthy serving size. Mm-hmm. To, to, you don't. It doesn't seem like it would be that much two tablespoons, but then it's like 
Mm. Yep. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Take that straight and see what happens. There's oh. a challenge. Uh, magnesium, <laughs> oh, though, another another one, right? Mm-hmm. 25% of your RDA in there. All right, so now let's have some fun. So now we've got the baseline, right? This is the straight-up powder. Yeah. This is, this is the, about as pure as it gets. Mm-hmm. And then we get to stuff like... The candy bar. Mm-hmm. All right. Now this is this is a brand that you like, Choco Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, strong dark chocolate. This has seventy percent uh, cocoa in it. Yes. Um, but we have gone ahead and we've pulled one that goes from seventy to eighty-five uh, percent for for a candy bar. Now, how mm-hmm. do the nutrients, uh, the nutrition facts, compare between the powder and once you start to create the candy from it? Right. So there's a significant difference here. Um, starting with that. The cocoa powder that we were looking at before was only one and a half grams of total fat per serving. And Mm -hmm. this just got really bumped up to 12 grams of total fat. And Mm -hmm. half of that, over half, is coming from saturated fat. So the less healthful form. (laughs) Right. Uh, So that's that's one big issue. Um, There's a little less fiber in it, but Mm -hmm. there's still some. Same thing with protein. And then this is where sugar comes in. So there was no sugar in just straight up cocoa powder. But whenever you make a candy bar, you're going to be adding... Sugar, you're also going to add back in that cocoa butter, which is where the fat's coming from. Yep. And so, and then the last thing you need to make a bar is an emulsifier. Sometimes that's soy lecithin, which holds it all together. Okay, so this bar right here is 70%. And the USDA, the generic one, said the total sugar is uh, 7 grams. But in this bar... Mm-hmm. And this is dark chocolate, and this has strong dark chocolate. Which so most people are not eating. Right. It's not going to be the sweetest chocolate that you could reach for. Mm-hmm. This actually has two more grams of sugar. This has nine grams, and mm-hmm. this is probably going to be a pretty bitter bar. Mm-hmm. I like it. but Do you? Okay. <laughs> but I've I've learned to like that. You know, as a kid, I always liked the sweeter ones. But... Did you? Did you sneak those uh, unsweetened chocolate chips when, when you were making cookies maybe as a kid? Sure, yeah. Did you? Hey, Although I kind of like the cookie dough better than the actual chocolate chips. Oh no! To be honest, question. Yeah, I mean, come on. Who didn't? Who <laughs> didn't like to lick the spoon there? Uh, but moving right along, so that was seventy to eighty-five, and that's your strong dark chocolate. And then you still have in the dark chocolate category sixty to about seventy percent cacao. And mm-hmm. again, you see a pretty significant drop in some numbers, and mm. uh, and even a uh, another jump in, in fat and calories and and all of that. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit different. Just a little. Yep. Uh, the fiber, just because Lee's going to send us an email. Uh, Lee, this 2.3 grams of fiber. That's pretty low at this point. Yeah. Anything, if it's three grams or less per serving for fiber, uh, it's not a very high fiber food, which means it's been more processed. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then keep going right <laughs> along. Still dark chocolate. What, what is the cutoff line for dark chocolate? Because it, the lowest that I found was 45%. Looks like it. it I don't know. <laughs> is, is, I mean, technically, is that even still dark at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, look at that. So really what jumped out to me here was the real spike in, in total sugar. Mm-hmm. So the less cacao, the more sugar. And you look yeah, at that. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. 13 and a half grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's still dark chocolate, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gotten to wait for it milk chocolate i wonder if there's a golden ticket inside of this there could be i don't know it's your lucky day uh milk chocolate so uh if you're just listening to that i just held up a ginormous uh milk chocolate candy bar with almonds i mean seriously (laughs) look at the size of this thing have you ever eaten one of these in like one serving like this is literally half the size of your arm yeah it is half the size of my forearm Mm -hmm. or or my entire forearm almost yeah this is a huge candy bar 
this is a huge candy. Mm. <clears throat> I haven't personally ever eaten an entire bar, but there are many people out there who have. Some so. people just, they have those days. Yep. They have those days. So what happens when you, you, you create milk chocolate? Let's talk about the nutritional value in milk chocolate. Is mm-hmm. there any sort of health benefit remaining when you have milk chocolate. What happens here? Sure. I mean, you're still having cocoa powder in there, uh, but then you've added in dairy, which is problematic, and you've also added in a lot more sugar. So uh, one bar, like just one and a half ounces is going to have about 22 grams of sugar, added sugars. Uh, So that's significantly higher than the dark chocolates we were looking at. Uh, And then... Sure, dairy has some source of calcium added to it, but you can get that through your leafy greens and beans or your non-dairy beverages instead, which is a much safer source of calcium. Spoken like a true dietitian. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and what, I mean, the, the sugar, I mean, 23 grams almost, that really kind of stuck out to me. And we were talking about iron earlier, virtually non-existent. You're down to one milligram, I believe, at this point. Mm. So... Not looking good for the health benefits of milk chocolate just on paper. But let's uh, let's dive a little bit uh, deeper. Do, do they do anything else between with the cocoa powder when they make the milk chocolate, or is it just less powder that's used? Or Not that I know of. I mean, I imagine it would be less cocoa powder, but okay. just imagine, like, essentially what you're trying to do is make a lighter product so it doesn't look so dark, um, which needs more milk. I think that we're kind of... At a point where it's like, well, chocolate may or may not be the healthiest food that you could eat. and probably may not. Yeah. All right. Nonetheless, in your opinion, how much healthier is dark chocolate than milk chocolate or white chocolate for that matter? Oh, man. This is a tricky question. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. I mean, absolutely. I would vote dark chocolate over milk any day of the week. Right. However, I don't necessarily condone eating dark chocolate all the time or even on a daily basis right because it's no you have to think about your overall eating pattern and making sure that that's healthful even though there are antioxidants flavanols all that good stuff in the cocoa powder it's um coming with a lot of that excess fat and sugar that we talked about so overall your health is compromised of the diet like your entire diet Mm -hmm. everything that you're eating Mm -hmm. um so it's really important to have that variety and not stick to one food as being your superfood or one food as being the only source of your iron or magnesium. It should be coming from a variety because every food is very different and has a different benefit for your body. Let's just kind of play devil's advocates here and let's let's focus in on a lot of what people kind of key in on when they say, yes, chocolate is very healthy for you. And a mm-hmm. lot of people point directly to antioxidants yeah. that are found in there, um, which surprisingly quite a few. I know that there was a, a study that was done not too long ago, and honestly, this was the title of the study. Uh, Maggie, I can't make this up. In chocolate, more cocoa means higher antioxidant capacity. Uh, I mean, clearly the researchers love them some chocolate, right? Yeah, so to combat that, this is interesting, um, maybe a year or two ago, the Center for Science and Public Interest came out with this Cosmos trial to show like how much chocolate would you actually have to eat in order to get all of the like heart healthy dose of antioxidants in there really Mm -hmm. oh now this is interesting okay yeah detail okay so you would have to eat about 750 calories worth of dark chocolate which is about four and three quarters of an ounce four times the amount that we were pretty much talking about Mm -hmm. 
in order to get a heart-healthy dose of those flavanols, which is about 600 milligrams of those. Hold, hold on. Did you say four and three quarters of an ounce? Mm-hmm. This ginormous bar that is the size of my forearm is four and one quarter ounce. Yeah. So that was with dark chocolate. But if you wanted to get it from milk chocolate, you'd have to eat about 40 ounces, which is almost 5,800 calories worth of milk chocolate in order to get all of the flavanols that are considered a heart-healthy dose of that. That's almost 10 of these. Yeah, it's a lot. It's almost, <laughs> so, that don't do that, please. Insane. I yeah. mean, for this whole bar. Now, hold on. Let's just kind of put that in perspective. This entire bar has forty grams of fat, twenty of which will be saturated. If you multiply that by what do we say, ten? Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Four hundred grams, five hundred grams of yeah. fat. That's all. You can get your flavanols elsewhere, please. I mean, that's totally <laughs> going to offset. Um, any sort of, of health benefit. Now, again, devil's advocate, because mm-hmm. people are going to point to this, and we've already put the counter out there, but let's let's just go ahead and say, well, you know, antioxidants, they are thought to be effective in helping to prevent diseases like cancer and, mm-hmm. and heart disease and strokes like that. They definitely are. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. But So think about everything else that you can eat in the plant-based world. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes all contain different types of antioxidants, which is why it's important to eat all of those things and not just one food, like chocolate, to get all of your antioxidants in there. One of the things that the researchers also looked at in this study was the uh, alkalinization process. Are Mm -hmm. you familiar with that? A little bit. Uh, So there's two different forms of processing cocoa powder. There's like Dutch processing and... I don't know what the opposite one is. Um, But basically what happens is the Dutch processing one makes the product more basic, so alkaline, and that's for it to work better when you're baking. Mm. Uh, So it's really just about cooking and making sure that you're coming out with the right product. Or sorry, baking, not cooking. Um, So that's really the only reason that it goes through that process. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But that does reduce the antioxidant amount. Right. Yeah. Uh, But the Dutch processing. Oh, that just goes to, um, let's see, we did a study here at the Physicians Committee, uh, Hannah did, uh, Dr. Kaliova and Dr. Barnard, um, mm-hmm. they did a, another study looking at um, the effects of, um, the heart healthy effects of a plant-based diet. One mm-hmm. of the things that they concluded uh, also was that antioxidant intake uh, and the increased consumption of fiber, which you could get mm-hmm. from just the cacao powder, um, was associated with a reduction in saturated fat, cholesterol, and overall caloric intake. You got it. So, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. See, I do the research, man. It's, <laughs> it's like I feel like just doing these shows, I'm a little bit smarter. It's... Like my IQ may have raised by a half a point in Probably the year that we've that. been doing this show. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I gotta set the bar low. Okay. Because if I say like it's 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 jumped by a whole point, I think I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Got to be humble. I do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but boy, don't I look good. Uh, anyway, um, antioxidants. What what, uh, what what are some other rumored health benefits of chocolate? Um, I think that I saw a couple of studies that pointed to the potential that it would help with uh, cognitive decline and mm-hmm. kind of slowing that. Have you, have you seen those studies? I've seen that. I've also seen it, uh, studies showing counteracting oxidative stress on your bones. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of those out there. Um, Harvard study was was talking about cocoa powder and helping with cognitive decline, slowing slowing memory decline. So mm-hmm. 
they're out there. It is. There was another <laughs> study that was partially funded, and here's the caveat, partially funded by the Hershey's company. Yeah, so that's uh, something to look out for when you're looking at research is who's it funded by. You absolutely, <clears throat> whether it's this or anything else, you absolutely need to look for bias in that. Um, but mm-hmm. that, that study, what they claimed was that um, some extract from the cocoa uh, may prevent damage to the nerve path nerve pathways that have been linked to Alzheimer's disease. Now, mm. again, I would have to look at that study more closely. And again, yeah. it's biased. I don't even know what the sample size of mm-hmm. that study was. Yeah, sample size matters too. So it has to be significant enough. Mm. Yep. Um, what are the risks? So what are, what are the risks of being a chocoholic, right? So we all have these people in our lives that you just can't go with day without eating the chocolate. I remember yeah. even as a kid in maybe the third or fourth grade having to read a book about this boy who was addicted to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Just, I think it was like Corpulent Herald or something like that. It was it was a weird book. But anyway, the kid was a chocoholic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was overweight. Doesn't seem like the healthiest thing. I was an overweight kid. What are some of the risks if you're like, man, I got to eat this chocolate every single day? Yeah. So I would think about it as behavioral risks. So food is actually controlling you as opposed to you controlling your food choices. Mm -hmm. So if you feel so compelled that you have to eat a certain food on a daily basis, especially something that makes you feel good with a dopamine release like chocolate, uh, then it sounds like that food has more control over your decision making, then you have control over it, which is a problem because you have to view food in a way that like view it as like a gift, right? Like this food is giving me these benefits and I get to enjoy it for these purposes. Not like I have to eat it. I don't, it's, it's sort of like an emotional way of eating. If you're going to be like controlled by a food that you have to eat it on a daily basis. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Yes, okay. I do. <laughs> Have I told you about my, my food addiction story? Like when I was 420 pounds, like mm-hmm. I, I think I already said this, Taco Bell was my chocolate. Mm-hmm. And so I had to have Taco Bell every single day. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't know was that I was working at an authentic Mexican restaurant at the time as well. So oh, really? burritos were readily available to me. But there was something about Taco Bell that I had to have mm. Every single day. And if I didn't get it, man, I was just cranky pants, mm-hmm. like super, super cranky pants. And when I cut it out altogether, man, I went through a detox and I would not wish that on my yeah. worst enemy. Um, yeah. So like a good way to like a first step for that might be, OK, if you know you feel like you're eating this on a daily basis, like what are some ways where you can build in some boundaries and structure so that you don't rely on this food on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Um, like I know if I start to have like chocolate in the house, I'm going to want it every day. And whereas if I don't have it for a while, I legitimately forget about it. But as soon as I've established this pattern of having it like three or four days in a row, then like the next, the fifth and the sixth day, I'm like, I want chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> but if I go like a week without it, I kind of forget about it. And then the next time I have it, I actually enjoy it. And it's not like didn't feel forced to have it. It's like I made that choice. You know when you bring chocolate into the house that there is that risk that you're going to have it the next day, the day after the day, until mm-hmm. that bar or whatever is gone, right? It's called shaping your environment. Sh- yeah, it, shaping your environment. Okay. That's very important. A clinical term. <laughs> I, I do that like um, peanuts. You know, you can mix chocolate and peanuts, so kind of along yeah. the same lines. Peanuts sure. are that food for me. Like mm-hmm. I, if I have peanuts in the house, man, forget about it. Like it, it's just – it's all over. Might be gone in an hour. It, God help me. Yeah. 
it, it, it possibly could happen. Yeah. So I just don't trust myself to have that. So mm-hmm. my hat's off to you because there are people in this world who can do that and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, once this is gone, it's gone and that's that. Mm-hmm. But man, you know, there's that other group of us, man, that it's just like, if it's there, man, yeah. you, you in a world of hurt and then you're going to start like really fighting to go out and, and get another jar of peanuts or another bar of chocolate, whatever that vice may be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, just... It takes time and support and um, understanding for, mm-hmm. like, w- what that food is going to do, how it helps, how it hurts. And the more you know, the easier it is to make the decisions. So that's one step, but there's so many strategies for that. <laughs> I feel like uh, before we move on, there was a really interesting study that uh, – <laughs> and this one, I mean, it blew my mind. We'll, we'll get to this one in a second. It has to do with chocolate and concussions. I I cannot make this up. It has to do with chocolate and concussions. We'll talk about that in just a second. But mm-hmm. just as a, as a recap, when you get into milk chocolate territory and you start introducing dairy into it, um, just just for those who may not be familiar or have just started listening to the show, what are some of the, the risks associated with dairy consumption? Mm-hmm. Well, dairy contains quite a bit of saturated fat. Some, some dairy products do. Um, and then there's cholesterol in there. So there's no fiber in it. And as a result, there's increased risk for different forms of cancer, especially breast and prostate cancer mm-hmm. are higher known uh, risk there. Uh, and then, of course, if you're having things like cheese, that's very high in saturated fat. And that's not going to be great for your heart health, for diabetes, you name it. <laughs> a whole, whole list of things. <laughs> I know Dr. Barnard. We've had him on the program many times to talk about dairy, and you know he will talk about the link to prostate cancer, lung, breast, ovarian cancers, bone fractures. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? like yeah, you think you're going to be you know strong bones because of milk? Not necessarily the case. Right. We have a very good fact sheet on that on our website uh, on the physicianscommittee.org the, the, about dairy and the health risks. So I would recommend looking at that to understand it more. The brand new website, by the way. The brand new one. That thing is spiffy looking, isn't it? Sparkly, yes. We got all modernized. Uh, Also, dairy linked with an increased risk of death. Again... I think it's, it's 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 a lock. I mean, one hundred percent. There's no way around it. Uh, so we're all going to donk off at some point. So that's the dangers of dairy. But I couldn't wrap up this program without talking about this study. And this mm-hmm. one was just mind blowing to me. And not just what was reported, but the reaction from the researchers who first published it. Um, was pretty unique as well. Are, are you familiar with this study that talked about um, this this milk called Filth, Fifth Quarter, geared toward athletes, and um, supposedly w- would work to uh, help concussions? Hmm. Did you hear about this? A little bit. I mean, I remember back when I was in high school, we were ta- they were re- recommending chocolate milk for athletes to recover because it's this ratio of carbs, protein, and fat. All this good stuff. I don't remember seeing stuff about concussions, but that doesn't surprise me because they're trying to push a product. When you so. first, when you were an athlete, you played sports in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, were you skeptical of that? Like when you like coach is telling me to drink chocolate milk. What? Mm. Or did you kind of buy in? I bought into it. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I well, didn't know anything about nutrition in high school. So. What kid does? Yeah. Um, what what sport did you play? I swam and I played volleyball. Right on. Yeah. Good on you. Volleyball. I always thought you got to be tall to play volleyball. <laughs> 
or you can be short in the back row. Did you? Yeah. Is that what is that what the trick is? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I definitely would not be up on that net. Or like the I, setter, that's another spot. Mm. Yeah, it's good to be short for that one. That's a fun game. It's I really enjoy I enjoy playing that from time to time. Uh, anyway. That aside, so uh, milk, your opinion now on that whole chocolate milk for recovery? Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's no. a gimmick. No. Yeah. Okay, why is it a gimmick? Because it's basically a bunch of added sugar into a dairy product that we know is not healthy for us and can create inflammation in your body. So if you really want to recover from an exercise or activity, choose plant-based foods that are really rich in antioxidants. Here's something that I think that a lot of people may not recognize is that, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. milk alone has a hefty amount of sugar, mm-hmm. natural sugar in it. Correct? Yeah, lactose. Mm, and, it's naturally and then, occurring. And then you add more sugar to it. And right. That's, that's, so that's a sugar bomb. Way far from the source. <laughs> it, yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, this this study, I mean, this is, this is just brilliant. So again, this is another one where the milk company itself actually partially funded this research, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the initial claims were that chocolate milk, again, would help concussions. Now, they looked at high school football players uh, for this study, and the results were released. Uh, I believe the University of Maryland was involved, and, you know, they're not too, too far from here in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And literally within a day or two of the initial results being released to say, hey, well, there is a link, you know, you can help concussions or recover more quickly from concussions if you drink the chocolate milk. Hmm. University of Maryland's like, whoa, let's, let's pump the brakes on that. They're like, no, 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 no. And yeah. so they start to call that into question. The bottom line is this, is that chocolate milk does not help with concussions. Right. Of course, the people marketing the product would want you to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that <laughs> Dr. Barnard, I mean, he summed it up pretty well. He he wrote a blog uh, about this when it first happened. And this also is up on PCRM.org. Uh, he wrote, and I quote, all milk products, including fifth quarter fresh, the high protein chocolate milk uh, used in the study, contain two things that the dietary guidelines for Americans say teen boys already have too much of in their diet. Can you name it? Protein and added sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, those you already you already have that. And yeah. I've never seen anything that says sugar can help concussion. But Me neither. Hey, man, whatever. So uh, anyway, one serving of that uh, had 20 grams of protein. And uh, get this, 42, a whopping 42 grams of sugar. Ooh. Sugar bomb. Hmm. Sugar bomb. Anyway. So. Interesting. Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Here's what we're thinking. Yeah. <clears throat> choose choose cocoa powder or cacao nibs, yeah. right? Uh, limit consumption of your dark chocolate and avoid milk chocolate. Okay. That's what I would say. So you're good with like cow powder and a smoothie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could put it in that. You could put it in your oatmeal. You could put it in your buckwheat cereal. Buckwheat we cereal. We have a recipe for kasha buckwheat cereal, I believe, on our website. Kasha buckwheat. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll yeah. have to look that one up. Yeah. It's good. It has strawberries in it. It's really? Okay. More antioxidants, antioxidants there. Um, but again, don't glorify it. It's not like they really aren't superfoods. You need to have a variety of things in your diet. Right, right. And right. that's even what's when you, help you even when you buy the straight cacao powder, mm-hmm. you know you can get the high end brand. Um, a lot of times on the bag of the powder itself, it'll say the ancient superfood. But mm. It's not. 
<laughs> I mean, it's been around for a long time. Ancient, but. yeah. Superfood, questionable. Yeah, superfood is a strange term. It's catchy, but there's so many superfoods out there. Before we go, <laughs> uh, our photographer went downstairs to uh, Robin's Grocery Store. We talk about them from time to time. And mm-hmm. she came up with one of the weirdest things, chocolate items I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you have you ever seen this? This is uh, chocolate Mexicano. It is Mexican stone ground chocolate uh, covered uh, chipotle chilies. Mm-hmm. Chipotle chili chocolate. Yeah, so that's that's your typical Mexican chocolate is to combine chocolate with cayenne pepper. Uh, how has this eluded me? I'm 36 and I've <laughs> never heard of this before. Gotta like I'm thinking <laughs> that it's a, it's a bizarre thing, but no, it's very common, is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. I've seen it before, but I'm more wow. of a foodie, so maybe that's okay. different. Okay, yeah. I'm not afraid to experiment. Like chocolate has never been my jam, but I don't know chipotle chili chocolate. Fun to say. Not so sure that I would taste this, though. I don't know. Maybe one day. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm feeling brave. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How hot is it? How, I don't know. I've not, not had that one in particular, but it's very common at uh, coffee shops to find hot chocolate with cayenne pepper in it. It's kind of, kind of a takeoff of this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ingredients, just by the by, before we uh, wrap up and say goodbye. Cacao beans, sugar, and chipotle chili powder. Hmm. All right. Spicy and sweet at the same time. Uh, Maggie Miola, thank you very much for your time. I feel like we are now all chocolate experts. Thanks for taking us to school. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, here's the cool thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. You are available for consultation if you're in the Washington area. You're upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. People can schedule an appointment to see you. Just hop on barnardmedical.org or break out the pens and pencils, boys and girls. I'm going to give you a phone number. 202-527-7500. Again, 202-527-7500. You can ask to meet with Maggie. Uh, when a patient comes in and, mm-hmm. and they meet with you, mm-hmm. what what can they expect? Yeah, that's great. So definitely want to talk through your past medical history, your current lifestyle patterns, what you're currently eating on a day-to-day basis, and then we can figure out where the nutrition education gaps are and talk through a tailored plan for you. And you can talk about more than just chocolate. I know this oh, because you've yes. been on the show many times. <laughs> I would prefer to talk about other things. Yes, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I would imagine that chocolate does come up quite a bit when people are laying out that initial nutritional profile, though. Sure does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, barnardmedical.org, 202-527-7500. Ask for Maggie Neola. Thank you so very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so very much for giving the show a download this week. You know, our guest really is just an extraordinary human being. And her new book, OMD, The Simple Plant-Based Program to Save Your Health, Save Your Waistline, and Save the Planet, is a phenomenal read, and she is a friend of the Physicians Committee. With that, we welcome to the program Susie Amos Cameron. Welcome to the show, Susie. Thank you, Chuck. I'm so happy to be here. I was telling you earlier that I'm a total total groupie of PCRM and and Dr. Neil Barnard, and I'm just I'm just thrilled to be on the show. Well, we are just thrilled to have you here. <laughs> 
I love, Susie, I absolutely love the title of your book because it's so all-encompassing. You know, save your health, save your waistline, and save your planet. And this is something that I think that a lot of people who aren't truly familiar with a plant-based diet or maybe just beginning to explore it don't realize that all of that stuff really works together. They they come together in, in conjunction. And there's it's not just your health. It is the health of the the environment. It's the health of the world. It's the health of our communities. It's it's everything, isn't it? It really is. It's it's kind of like this silver bullet. I I like to talk about it as the win 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 situation because it doesn't matter if you're doing it for your health for the environment, for the animals, for your waistline, for your sex life, any of those things, because everybody wins. There is zero downside to eating plant-based. A lot of things there, and, and your foreword uh, in the book, it, it really just kind of captivated me because you, you did, you, you talked about all of those things and the sex life. That was something that I wasn't really kind of expecting in this book, but um, nonetheless, that was a, a point well made. I want to talk about why you decided to sit down and write this book. What you wrote in there was that it, it stems from a fierce love of family, and that's what drives you to make the world a better place. I believe that the quote that really stuck with me is that that type of love, that protective love that you have for your children, your family, your pets, that is, quote, locked into your DNA. Talk to me about those feelings and how they drove you to put this book together. Yeah, so I think I started really looking at food really closely, um, gosh, decades ago. Um, after I left Oklahoma at 17, I, I became a model, and, you know, you got to be slim and trim and healthy to be a model, and then I, I moved on to acting, and and then I had my first child, and it was really when I had my first child that I started thinking about all of the pesticides and foods, and I started really looking at, you know, feeding him and our little family, you know, 100% organic. And then it kind of grew from there. And when we started the um, when we started the school, Muse School, I wanted to make sure that you know, not only were the children being taught amazing, rigorous academics through all of their passions and interests and learning in their own way at their own pace, but I wanted to make sure they were learning about where their food was coming from. And so we had gardens. Um, we started with 11 kids <laughs> 13 years ago. We <laughs> now have um, 220. We start at age two and go all the way through high school. Um, and on two campuses, and we've got 150 raised beds at this point. But early on, 13 years ago, I wanted to make sure we had organic grass-fed beef and free-range chicken and organic dairy and all of those things. This is the way I was feeding my family at home because it had been drilled into my head, my psyche, that that was the best way to eat, that we needed animal products to have strong muscles and we needed dairy to have strong bones and strong teeth. And, you know, cut to May 6, 2012, I watched Forks Over Knives and immediately was felt gut-punched and blindsided that 
we'd been advertised to our whole lives, and it wasn't true. Not only were, not only was it bad to eat animal products, but they were actually bad for us, and we don't need them. Right. Um, and it was after that that um, that Jim started teaching me about the environmental issues, and that was the kind of the second blow that no one and I had been in environmental circles for decades but nobody was talking about it no one mm-hmm. and I, I was sitting in a I was asked to sit on a leadership council of one of the largest if not the largest uh, environmental NGO in in North America and they, they do have offices outside of America as well and I had been sitting on this leadership council for I don't know, 10 years and no, they talked about all the environmental issues, all of them, deforestation, biodiversity loss, dead zones, ocean acidification, climate change, melting glaciers, all of those things. But there was never, ever a word about animal agriculture. And there was a moment that I had in one of those meetings where I envisioned a flower. And in the middle of that flower was animal agriculture, and each petal were all of the environmental issues, the ocean acidification and the dead zones and the biodiversity loss and deforestation, and all of those, you can connect the dots back to animal agriculture. And I just thought, wow, this is, it's a simple, elegant solution that an individual, an individual can make a difference because I think that's one of the issues with the environment is that people they feel paralyzed. They don't feel like there's that there's anything that they can really do, so they just carry on. But it does. It encompasses so many things just by paying attention to what's on your plate. It helps the environment. It helps your health. It helps the animals. It helps your waistline and your sex life. <laughs> I want to ask you about May 6th, 2012. That was your aha moment. That was the day that you had an epiphany. But it seems to me that by reading your book, you kind of had some seeds planted well before that. When you were 17, you were talking about uh, how your agent in Paris would take you around to farmers markets. And that's when you learned about eating, you know, real food, what you thought was real food at that time. And that's huge. You know, I love the quote that you had in there because you were already protecting your health at that point. You said that that experience helped protect me from some of the pressures to smoke cigarettes or do drugs or try other, quote, fast and dangerous ways that models were using to stay slim. Did you realize or have any idea at that point that those seeds at that point would stay with you for your entire life? Not just stay with you, but really blossom into what they are now. Yeah, I th- you, when I look back, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And growing up in Oklahoma, I can remember being down on our farm and and you know picking peaches off the tree or you know digging potatoes out of the dirt or picking corn and you know um having mom cook those for us all of those things and i i remember very distinctly when i was 12 years old discovering they were frozen mm-hmm. mind you but i discovered french cut green beans <laughs> and I remember, you know, they, they used to come in a box. They don't come in a box anymore. But they came in a box, and I can remember just steaming them and 
being in heaven eating a whole bowl of green beans. So I've always had a love for vegetables and salads and soups and things like that. But I think, you know, we're so confused by things that are, no pun intended, fed to us on a regular basis. You know, try this diet and this diet and the paleo and the South Beach and the Atkins and, you know, all of these different things. And this is this is best and that's not best. And it's very confusing. And certainly being <clears throat> being in the circles of um, modeling and then acting and, you know, so much of it is based on your physical appearance um, you do get caught in this swirl and I can honestly say that when I when Jim and I went plant-based in May of 2012 I finally found a way to nourish myself I learned really how to eat and nourish myself and you know before that and I trust me I I did all kinds of different things thinking it was the best way to 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 be healthy but I noticed there were times I felt sluggish I felt tired my weight would fluctuate you know not a huge amount but 10 to 15 pounds and um and it doesn't do that any I have constant energy my weight doesn't fluctuate anymore I can go into my closet and put on any pair of pants anytime I want to and they fit <laughs> And that's been, you know, six and a half years. You got to love that. great. Yeah, Yeah, you got to love that. Who wouldn't love that, you know, to be able to wear the same pair of pants after six and a half years and never have to worry about squeezing into them, you know, laying down on the bed, getting, you know, just trying to squeeze into them as best as you can. And you don't have to do that because of the plant-based diet. I think that that's a big selling point in itself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still wearing, you know, my jeans from high school, which is kind of a, a mind blower in and of itself. But it's, you know, there's so many, My, I, I have to, you know, file my fingernails down, you know, once once a month. And my hair, you know, as, as each baby I had, and as I got older, my hair got straighter and thinner and straighter and thinner. And since we went plant-based, I mean, it is, it is, my braid has probably doubled in size. <laughs> my hair's gotten thicker and wavier, and I just, it's, it's an extraordinary way of life. It's a journey. Look at you fighting father time. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to, I want to quantify some numbers here because uh, the, the one meal a day for the planet idea um, you were able to really, like I said, just quantify this. You said by by switching one meat or dairy-based meal to a plant-based meal every day, g- get ready for this. We can slash our personal water and carbon footprint of our diet by 25%. 25%. And if you go completely plant-based, you can slash it by 60%. Susie, those are extraordinary numbers. That is significant right there. Yeah, I think that that was one of the, another one of those big aha moments, you know, because, um, you know, after, after working with uh, so many doctors around the, the health aspects of it, and I wanted to make sure that the book was heavily researched um, because I don't, have, I don't have letters behind my name, 
but I wanted to make sure that I had the backing of all of the science, and then we worked with climate scientists as well to quantify those numbers, um, and it started at school. That's where OMD actually started, mm-hmm. um, because our we're the first plant-based school in the nation, Muse School is, and maybe in the world. Nobody's raised their hand to say that that they're, they, they were first or anything like that. Um, but we, we went plant-based in fall of 15, but we took 18 months before that to educate our families and kind of roll into it. And it was mutiny. <laughs> we had, <laughs> even after we had doctors, Neil was one of them, um, we had authors, we had chefs, we had climate scientists, we had um, athletes come in and talk to the children during the day, and then at nighttime we would have an adult gathering and give them a glass of wine and some beautiful uh, plant-based food. And even after all of that, we lost 50% of our children when we went 100% plant-based. Now, we quickly regained our enrollment, and we surpassed it by a lot, and people are moving from all around the United States to come to the school. Um, but what ended up happening one day is, you know, even though, and we, we had, uh, Neil actually created a beautiful document for us that we've got online, and it's actually in the book, uh, a handout for the families for the health benefits of raising a child plant-based. And they still thought, oh, my kid's not going to get enough protein, not enough essential fatty acids, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Protein, of course. And, (laughs) oh, my gosh. I mean, it was really, and our head of school, Jeff King, got very frustrated one day. And he said, people, you can give them eggs and bacon in the morning and a burger at night. It's one meal a day. It's OMD. So that's (laughs) where it started, where it was born. And then we quickly created a pledge which is also in the book, which is, um, you know, you can do one meal a day or two or three. And the environmental benefits, just one person for one, one meal a day, one plant-based meal a day for a year, it's true. You save two, almost 200,000 gallons of water and the carbon equivalent of driving from Los Angeles to New York. Wow. So you can actually, and I used to think this too, because I, I realized that I'm in a, I'm in a very um, privileged position, and I, I don't take it lightly. I take, it, our, I take our platform very responsibly. I mean, I suppose we could be out taking pictures of our toes on, in our favorite restaurants or something. <laughs> <laughs> but we really use our platform to do something for the greater good, and when I was, um, you know, really thinking about wanting to make a change, and I realized that I was, I had the privilege of, you know, having solar, driving an electric car, starting a school, starting a eco-dress design contest, starting organizations for the environment, all of those things, but I still woke up every day thinking, it didn't matter how hard I worked or how hard I tried, nothing was really making a difference, you know, mm. as, a, as a individual, as an individual. But once we went plant-based, and I started really learning about all the environmental impacts, it's so empowering. Yeah. Because we all eat three times a day, and every single time we put food on our plate, 
we can make a difference by choosing a plant-based diet. I want to ask you about making that switch to a plant-based diet and the way that you went about that in in the book here in just a second. But, you know, you're talking about carbon footprints and saving water, and we are a society that loves to be able to see and visualize exactly what the changes that we're doing or, or what it is that we're doing in general. You know, we are a very visual society. And one of the things that you have put in this book is I think it's a genius concept that can actually help people keep track of the environmental changes that they're they're helping to promote. This is called the Green Eater Meter. Talk to me a little bit about that. First of all, that name is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, every time I say it, I kind of get a big smile on my face. <laughs> Um, well, it came from really working with climate scientists, and we worked with um, a man down at uh, Loma Linda, and he has an enormous amount of data from the Seventh-day Adventist. And I really wanted to be able to quantify, um, you know, the certainly the recipes that are in the book, and for people to see how much they can make a difference just by eating plant-based. And at school, it's really cute because um, a lot of the classrooms, they keep running tallies of how much water they're saving and how much, how, many, how much carbon that they're saving just by eating plant-based. And they, they bring in information from home, too. They were like, well, my mom and dad and, you know, two sisters and I, we're, we all eat plant-based all the time. So, obviously, their numbers are really, really high. Sure. So, it becomes, you know... It be, or I should say, the numbers are really low. The um, the um, you know being able to being able to see that and turn it into a little game or a little competition. You know, it's certainly fun for kids, and frankly, adults find it fun too. Of course, um, but it but it people do like that immediate response and the, those visuals you know it's that immediate gratification that we've all that we've all taken to um, more and more and more and more certainly over over the last probably 20 years now let's talk about making those changes you have laid it out in your book uh, in a way that uh, there are two types of people in life let, let me let me say it like this. There are people who, you know, will just dip their toe into the water, and then there are the people who will do a cannonball right into the deep end. And you have this book set up in such a way that you can appeal to both personalities. You have uh, the the way that will kind of gradually get you into that plant-based diet with that one meal a day, and then you have another chapter called All In. What type of person are you? Are you all in, or did you gradual, are you a gradual person? Well, it went like this. So I watched Forks Over Knives on May 6, 2012, and Jim and I, we both have heart disease and cancer on both sides. So I was coming at it from a, coming at it from a health uh, aspect. And, you know, he was, he was having the doctors tell him that he should start taking medications for his heart mm. prophylactically. <laughs> there wasn't anything, you know, there was there were no major red flags or anything. They just said because he, you know, his because he's got it on his side of the family. Right. Um so and I just kept thinking there's got to be some 
and I know it's connected to fast, has to be connected to food and exercise and lifestyle and all of those things. So I grabbed that DVD after I watched it, and I was, you know, like a deer. I, w- I just was so blindsided by it, and I took it, and I found him, and I said, I need an hour, hour and a half of your time tomorrow. And he said, well, where are we going? And I said, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to watch a movie. Oh, okay, cool. What, what mo- I like movies. I said, I'm not <laughs> going to tell you what it is. <laughs> I just want to watch it, and then we'll talk about it. So we sat and watched it, and, you know, it's 90 minutes. And from the moment that we left the TV room and got into the kitchen, he said we shouldn't have any more animal products in the house. Wow. And 24 hours later... Our kitchen was cleaned out, and we actually had goats up at our ranch, um, you know, making goat yogurt and goat cheese and goat milk. And 48 hours later, we stopped the production of that. We kept the goats as fire mitigation, you know, and they're cute, by the way, too. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, we blew up our kitchen and just did it overnight. And, you know, then we got, you know, we felt like we were born again. And so we were up on our soapbox constantly just harping at people. We sent bags of books to all of our friends and family out of love because we knew all of the health benefits of it. Yeah. And the pushback was unbelievable. But we were going at it like, it's just, just do it. It's really easy. Just clean out your kitchen and go plant-based. And, you know, my sweet sister, who helped me found the school, she, she pulled me aside one day. She was like, honey, you know, not everybody can do it that way, you know, and so I was, but we kept doing it, and then we realized that people would see us coming, and they would just turn around and walk away, <laughs> so when, when the whole OMD moment happened at school, I thought, you know what, that's, that's it, that's when I grabbed that idea and wrote a book around it, and because the thing is, is that you can talk to people about becoming plant-based and you can immediately see them, their bodies get rigid, they cross their arms and they, they don't want to hear it, they don't want to do it. But you talk to them about OMD and say, oh yeah, 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 you can keep your burger. Just, you know, you can just put, if you do one meal a day, just put soy milk on your cereal instead of cow's milk or have a bean and veggie burrito instead of a beef burrito or tomato sauce on your pasta instead of beef sauce. And immediately they, you can see their shoulders soften, and they're like, oh, well, that sounds easy and reasonable. I could do that. Yeah. That sounds totally, I can totally do that. So you have, it's this, it is a way of dipping their toe in, and then what ends up happening, what I have found the majority of the time, is they have that breakfast or lunch, and they don't have that mid-morning or mid-afternoon dip. Or if they have it at dinner time, and they feel like they, they sleep better and they don't have acid reflux. And then the next thing you know, they're doing, I mean, I don't know how many people have written me, and they, they've actually coined it already. It's the number two MD. So they're doing two meals a day now. Nice. And, yeah, so many people that I, I never in a million years would have thought that they would have, you know, jumped to two meals a day. Um, but it's, that's kind of what's happening. So it's this, it's this ripple effect, and then they feel so great, and then they tell somebody, and... And as you know, you know, how it's trending so much, not only here in the United States, but I I travel an enormous amount, and it's happening all over the world. I mean, there are 
plant-based restaurants popping up everywhere, um, food products. I mean, the the plant-based food industry, uh, I read something recently. It's it's looking at like it's going to be a $7 billion um, business by the end of next year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. and I know that that's, you know, when we went plant-based, we we did a 180 and we started changing all of our investments. We bought a farm in New Zealand and it was actually um, initially a dairy farm and we converted it into an organic veggie farm. And we have um, a company up in Saskatchewan and we're making uh, our own pea proteins, lentil and fava bean proteins and you know selling those to the plant-based companies but we're also making our own omd food products which will launch in january february phenomenal well i have to have you back on to talk about them um absolutely i i think that you really hit on something important there because it's it's not a stretch to to really know that where the money goes so goes the future and so when you see you know that industry the plant-based industry growing the way that it is when you hear about people making investments into that industry you know that culturally we're trending in that direction and so that to me gives me a great a great sense of hope um and and you know i really think that for all of the naysayers out there i think that in another decade or so we're really going to start to see that tide you know it's it's turning now pretty well but i think that in another decade or so that tide's going to really have turned uh, a significant amount you know not just for our own personal health but for all the reasons that we've been talking about susie our own health uh, and and certainly the the health of the environment as well i mean just super super important and i think that more and more eyes are being opened as the days go along yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and if I have it my way, it's going to be year, you know, a couple years, not decades. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I do think we are in a an urgent situation. I mean, the when you're talking about um, making investments, one of the things that just blows my mind, but it's a huge validation, is the fact that the beef industry is they're they are investing in these plant-based meats yep. in the in the beyond meats and you know various other ones and there are stories left and right about dairy farmers you know converting their dairies into uh, creating plant-based milks and i know that the dairy industry has been investing in plant-based milks as well so just that alone they see where it's going it's just the fo- yeah follow the money Absolutely. Um, real quick before I let you go, I, I, I love telling this story, and I think that it's one that resonates with a lot of people um, as they make the the transi- uh, transition to a plant-based diet, and then they try to get their significant other to as well. Um, I At my heaviest, I weighed 420 pounds. Today, I weigh 145. Um, Whoa! Your story's amazing. Thank you. I lost the vast majority of that weight without going to a plant-based diet. But when I I watched a documentary, uh, not Forks Over Knives, but What the Health, uh, at the suggestion of a friend, and made that day the decision to never eat another meat or dairy product, 
I told that to my wife and she looks at me and she's like, you're crazy. You're already the healthiest eater that I know in the entire world. And now you're telling me that you want to go vegan. Like it was a, it was a taboo word. Susie was a taboo word, vegan. And then I let her watch the documentary as well. I suggested to her that she did and she followed suit. And so I think that it's really important that when a person makes that decision, you know, that 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 discussion has to be made with the significant other. In your book, you also talked about the first time that you opened the pantry at your husband's house and you saw I think what what did you the cans of all of this meat chili or something like that. And hungry so, man chili. Hungry man chili, exactly. The oh. the the former four hundred pound guy in me can still romanticize about that to some extent. But it's an interesting conversation to be had. And now you and your husband and, and my wife and I, we made the leap pretty much all together at the, at the same time. But there are couples out there that one will begin this journey and the other one will lag behind. Your book, it, it, it can kind of help with bridge the gap between both of them, right? With the one meal a day and then the all all in philosophy. Have you talked to anybody who may have read the book or anybody that you've encountered throughout your journey who, you know, is in one place where their spouse is in another? Oh, many, 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 many people. And it's it's it is very challenging, um, especially for those spouses that you know prepare all the food, yeah. and if and and they've gone plant based, yet they still feel obligated to be cooking animal products, which I can't imagine at this point. I mean, just smelling, knowing what I know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, <laughs> but just smelling things or. You know, and the the risk of contamination um, with cooking any of that stuff. Um, you know that that's a that's a big thing too. But it is a huge deal to make sure that you have some kind of community support. So even if it's not your spouse, you know, um, online support. There's tons of online support. There's um, you know, get a get a buddy that that will do it with you and you know i mean i didn't have any idea how jim was going to react um which is why i decided not to tell him what we were going to watch a little nervous well i i was my heart was beating through the whole thing because i just wanted him to react to it in the same way that i had and he did he absolutely did um, Were you I mean, watching him closely throughout the the movie, like just kind of he's looking at the screen and you're looking at his face? Oh, yeah. Trust <laughs> me. And he had just come back from, I think he had just come back from Asia, and he was a little jet lagged, so I was sitting very close to him and kind of wiggling a lot to make sure he didn't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you know, if you can get your spouse to, to watch one of these films, um you know, that's a step in the right direction. Jim and I um, executive uh, produced a film called The Game Changers. Yes. And um, we, we're in negotiations for distribution right now. We're hoping it will be released before the holidays. Um, but that film really, really targets men. Yeah. And which I think is going to be huge. And men will, because there's... There's everything about athletic performance. There's 
sexual performance, you know, all of those things that, that really get, you know, hit men where, where it hurts, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that that demographic, because, you know, real men eat meat. It's been, it's been drilled into everyone's heads that, you know, that men need meat to Macho. be manly. And it's exactly the antithesis. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. And, you know, those people that are, are struggling with their their spouses, yeah, they can do one meal a day. And all of these new products that are out there, I mean, the, the Beyond Beef Crumbles, um, and there are tons of recipes in there just creating um, familiar foods, mm-hmm. you know, that, that – chili i mean the people eat my chili they cannot tell the difference <laughs> put those crumbles in there there are you know chicken <laughs> for jim's uh birthday party one year um his mom was there and we actually had tal ronan there um making the food for us and he brought in garden chicken and they got into an argument because she said she would say, Jim, this is chicken. And he's like, Mom, it's not. There is nothing plant-based in this, you know, in this household. And she just kept going on and on about how she absolutely knew it was chicken and they must have changed it in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny, but there are so many things out there that are, you can't, I actually have a hard time eating them because they're a little too real for me i'm you know i'm much happier with my veggies and soups and salads and things like that the book one meal a day the simple plant-based program to save your health save your waistline and save the planet Susie amos cameron thank you so much for your time this has been a real treat thank you so much chuck what a remarkable person Susie Amos Cameron. Can't thank her enough for coming on the show today. Quick final thought about chocolate. Did you know that North Americans are actually cutting back on the amount of chocolate they eat every year? In fact, by the year 2021, consumer watch group Euromonitor expects that people will be eating four fewer chocolate bars every year. But that doesn't mean that the love affair with chocolate is coming to an end. Far from it, my friend. Experts believe that consumers will trend more toward higher-end chocolate that has greater amounts of cacao. And as we heard from Maggie, that's where the majority of the health benefits are. The greater the cacao content, the more bang for your nutrition buck. And one more chocolate fact before we go. I couldn't help but to think back to a study that was released in 2017 that found that 7% of Americans believe that chocolate milk comes from a brown cow. 7%. Come on, son. Come on. I got to tell you, 100% of the time, if I want some chocolate milk, I'm going to grab that cacao powder. I'm going to throw in some frozen bananas and mix that all up with some almond milk. And it is so good once it hits your lips. 
Anyway, if you haven't already done so, again, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio from. That's where you can find the exam room. And by all means, please do share the show with a friend. We love having the opportunity to enlighten and educate and help and inspire so many other people who are considering adopting a plant-based diet. Maybe they're just curious about nutrition. Maybe they're just curious about chocolate. Hmm? You got a chocoholic in your life? Think that they might get a kick out of this episode? Go ahead and pass it along. Good for families and friends. And as always, there will never, ever be a quiz. So for everybody here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. <laughs>